Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. Uh, I'm Matt Kale, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church and Campus Ministry in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Ferris, I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder in America's finest only institute of higher education of administration in Europa. Former home of Jack Kerouac. And what? Their famous alum in Naropa is Jack Kerouac. Oh, well, uh, we're back. We're back. Back in the home studios. Recording a podcast on time. On time. You're going to get this, listeners, probably, if I do my part, because we know producer Nick will do his part. Uh, You'll get it on time, which would be really something. (laughs) And I feel like I need to apologize because uh, in our Transfiguration recording, uh, Yubi was all disappointed because she thought we were going to interview her. Oh, yeah. And I don't know where she got that impression, but it was an impression. And I said, I'd be happy to have you on the pod in the future. So yeah. So we'll have to get her on a future podcast. We will. Because <laughs> I wasn't organized enough to get it done this time. <laughs> yeah. A little confused how, why, mm, you'd be watching Netflix at the table where we were recording <laughs> the entire episode. <laughs> and was then like, how come I didn't get to come on the podcast? <laughs> It's true. It's true. But she uh, she seems really cool. It seems like she's doing cool stuff, so we should get her on to talk about that. We should that. get her on. We should get her on. Uh, Lent. It continues. We had we had uh, Bishop Craig Satterley of the Mitten Synod last week, and now it's just us. Dr. Craig A. Satterley was on the podcast. People are lapping that up. They're loving the Craig Satterley are they? pod. Yeah, we're getting them, getting them plays this week, man. Numbers are back up again if people we, – we have a seasonal thing. Maybe, I don't know, this is a little inside baseball, but uh, as we get around towards Holy Week, people start listening. They start freaking out about what they're going to preach and stuff. Uh, so we're on the upswing. People are paying attention right now, so let's really focus and try to make it a c- c- good one. <laughs> good. Good. We'll be really focused then. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, we got some good um... – well, do we want to do any intro? Anything you want to talk about? What's happening? What's happening in South LA? What's? Oh my gosh! What's what go, is happening? No, what's go? Once we secure the rights uh, from the Marvin Gaye estate, then we should play "What's Going On" as we do "What's Happening" in your context. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, things are going. I can't. Uh, I mean, we record this a little bit early, so it'll be weird to hear this as you're listening. But Ash Wednesday tomorrow, so we're gearing up for that. Uh, all this, all this good Lent stuff. Going to head to Holy Week. So this is the part of the year when you're just kind of on the roller coaster and you just hang on for dear life. Is kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm calming down, man. I'm relaxing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I spent I spent like a month and a half on the road. You know, uh, <laughs> I had ski retreats and we were in uh, where were we? Albuquerque and uh, other retreats and stuff. Um, but now I don't really go anywhere and things kind of calm down for me a little bit, mm-hmm. which is good. But I'm practicing my Spanish, Matt. I had to write some Spanish language emails today because uh, the big wow. thing on the horizon for us is we got a group of about 12 students. We're going to be doing about 10 days on the Camino in Spain. Uh, and Matt, it is really frustrating that in Spain they don't always speak Spanish. Shouldn't they just speak Spanish? Like, it, it's like... Uh, huh. It's not only the Catalonians, right? But but uh, Santiago is kind of near Portugal, so it starts to bleed into Portuguese, uh, and all of a sudden, it doesn't make sense anymore. But it looks like a thing I should understand, but I don't understand it at all. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to call Josh Ebner. <laughs> <laughs> T- 
Do it. His spouse is a translator too. Yeah, the only person in the world I know who speaks Spanish or, or Portuguese. <laughs> Portuguese. Excuse me. Portuguese. Chris. Is Josh Evener. Chris has a little. No. Chris has a little. All right. Well, two people. Yeah. I'm not that was sure. her second language or third mm. language. I guess you had to have like two languages mm. to get a to get a fancy PhD. Mm. So uh, por- Portuguese was her secondary. Portuguese. I'm not. <laughs> I'm gonna come back. With so much <laughs> fluent in Portuguese, that's my goal. Good. Now you can go to Brazil. Brazil. Fantastic. You gotta go on a long walk. Gotta Make go sure you get some good shoes. Get some good shoes. I am. I'm gonna get some good shoes. If listeners have been on the Camino and have have advice for me, I'm willing to take it here. Uh, gotta get some good shoes here, Matt. I'm gonna get the walking sticks. I think that's probably gonna be worth it for 200 kilometers of walking. Uh, I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm excited. This, as far as like programming and planning stuff goes, might be one of the easiest trips I've ever planned or programmed <laughs> because there are eight days where the itinerary is wake up in the morning, walk, go to bed, walk. Uh, How does that, that's insane. So are there like, are there like checkpoints where you can stop or you just stop, you just carry your tent with you and you stop along the way? How does it work? Camping is not allowed, uh, on the Camino. Okay. But the wow. cities along the route uh, have uh, basically like public municipal hostels, and there are also private hostels as well called albergues um, that you can stay in for about 10 euros a night. So I've been doing the math of figuring out like there are also some places where there aren't a lot of them, so you need to get to a place that's has enough beds yeah. for our 12 people to get to and to make right. it all so we can get to where we need to be at the end of eight full days of walking so that we can catch the train right. to get back to Madrid so we can spend the night to get on the airplane the next morning and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think, I think I've cracked the code, man. You can't make reservations at all of them, too, which is a little nerve-wracking. But Yeah. Uh, so you don't need to bring a tent, but bring a, ba- a sleeping bag um, is what... I've been told, of course, listeners, I've never been before, so... Yeah, we'll record live from the Camino, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe. When is this, in May? In May. May 12th to 24. There we go. 12, okay. 24. Going to start on Mother's Day, huh? I'm uh, going to start on Mother's Day. Uh, I'm going to actually start also on my anniversary. Vinyl Spouse, a big fan of that on our anniversary. I'm leaving for two weeks to go to Spain. For work! It's for work! <laughs> it's got a big, big business trip to Spain. I can't help it. Yeah, I um I got invited to do a thing in Puerto Rico for work, and I was telling Chris, and I, I immediately like I kind of thought I wasn't going to be able to do it anyway, but I just want to tell Kristen so she could be excited for me, and her reaction was, well, obviously I'm not doing that. <laughs> She's just lovely, it's just oh. wonderful. So um, obviously yeah. you're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, hey, let's talk about these sacks. Yeah, let's. <laughs> in the off chance that a vinyl, a vinyl spouse listened to the podcast, let's go ahead and talk about the text because that's what they came here for. Oh, we got uh, we got Genesis. We got Genesis. Oh. Did we get Genesis last week too? I believe we did. It's kind of fun. Uh, I just want to. So, uh, Genesis and Abram, my uh, I've, as, as regular listeners know, we, we both have toddlers. We were reading our toddlers. I was reading uh, one of my girls, Maya, really loves. Uh, her Spark Bible, Spark from Spark House, very uh, popular media company. <laughs> it's true. Um, it's true. And she People wanted to, really uh, like their products. So we flip over to the. I wish I could tell A-room. you more about it. <laughs> right, we will soon. Um, but we uh, we wanted to uh, 
we flipped it open to this Abram chapter and, and God says, I'm going to give you this land. And I couldn't help interjecting, that won't get complicated in the future. <laughs> uh, but, of, but of course, the children's Bible doesn't get complex at all, right? It's just like presents this wonderful promise of land. Well, here's God giving promises to Abram. After these things, you'll have to go see what those things are. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your rewards will be very great. Uh, but Abram said, uh, okay, what do you, um, I continue childless. I mean, I remember you promised me this kid, but it hasn't really happened. So I went and uh, tried to do it a different way. And uh, God says, no, uh, this man, Ishmael, shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. And he takes him outside. And he says, Abram, look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. What an image, right? Oh, what an image. If you can so even count them. This is really, yeah. I know, it feels like I do this every couple of weeks, but that is, that might be my favorite <laughs> phrase in the whole Bible. Uh, count the stars. Uh, if you can even count them. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. What a yeah. line. What a line. And this uh, this being the dead cast makes me think of the count on Sesame Street would probably just start counting uh, <laughs> immediately. And it would yes. go badly. You would just they would cut mm -hmm. away. They would fade out because you can't just count the stars, people. You can't do it. So uh, he says this social your social your descendants be. I mean, another like there's the other half of it, right? The other shoe drops social your descendants be. Um, and I always, I think I said, kind of skipped over this, la this last piece, even though it's one of the most important in, uh, in Christian history. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now that line will become key. It'll become key for Paul and for Luther. Uh, and for Kierkegaard writes this book called The Sickness Into Death, when he goes back into that again and again and again. Um, this is the key act of faith for Abraham. He believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned that belief to him. As righteousness. Now, Zach's going to push us as to what that means. But this this little piece uh, has been critical, I think, in uh, you're going to push back on that, that it's critical. Zach's giving me a look. I'm just going to give you some textual heads up because uh, this is I loved to hear Ralph Klein talk about this story. Uh, and so I hear his voice oh. telling me about it. And uh, the phrase you lift up, they reckoned it, he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Oh. The pronouns in there, it is unclear in the, t in the manuscript who they reference. Uh, there is some ambiguity as to who was, uh, who was reckoned as righteous. And so I like that uh, ambiguity that it perhaps is the way that it has been, I think, historically understood is, is that Abram is righteous because he believed God. Or the alternative reading is that, that Abram could have understood, uh, reckoned that, that, and saw this, that God uh, was faithful uh, as mm. righteous. Uh, that God's faithfulness is the, is the righteousness here. I mean, the ambiguity continues. I mean, even when you continue in the story, it's not as if, like, you know, Abram just believes 100% and doesn't quite. I mean, he continues to ask, well, how am I supposed to know this, though, Lord? It's really what Abram's faith really looks like is that Abram, like, stays connected. He, like, stays in conversation with God. It uh, doesn't abandon the conversation. But it's not as if Abram's like, okay, I get it now. All right, I'm not questioning anything anymore. No. Um, he continues to wrestle. And then comes this really uh, one wonderful scene where uh, <laughs> Abram has to bring God uh, several animals, ritual animals, cut them in half, and uh, and this smoking fire pot. And just as we were uh, disconnected online, so were these animal carcasses disconnected from one another, and a fire pot passed between the fire pot and a flaming 
a smoking fire pot. What kind of fire pot you got? I got a Bodum. It goes in my French press. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's our text. That's our Genesis text. What do you think? You love it, don't you? I love it, Matt. This is oh, Genesis great. Oh. It's so good. It was the best. They should have just stopped and said that's enough. If you had to choose between, like, the Genesis and Exodus text or the letters of Paul, which one would you? Come on, Matt. Come on. That's too easy. That's not even, like... There is no part of me that's like, well, I guess we got... No. No. You keep Genesis Exodus. <laughs> oh, sorry, listeners. Convince us why we should love the letters of Paul. Coming up, Matt. Coming up. Maybe we'll have him on the podcast. So we have a New Testament professor here at the university who's going to meet with our students and try to defend Paul against me uh, here in a couple of weeks. Maybe if it goes well, I'll see if he'll come on the pod and, and defend Paul. Uh, there's just some incredible lines here, Matt. Um Right. Uh, so so Abram is an instructor doing cut all these animals in half uh, and the birds of prey keep coming to actually not all of them. Right. Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. I don't care how old they are. And he cut all of them in two, except for the birds. You cannot cut a bird in half, man. It can't be done. Um, <laughs> we don't possess the technology. Uh, and Abram spends all night trying to drive away the birds of prey, the vultures who come down on these carcasses. Uh, but then here's another straight killer line. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and yeah. a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. If you're for, what more do you want out of the Bible than that verse? Um, yeah. Also, allusions to his uh, aunt, who, to his uh, descendants here. Uh, Jacob uh, will be staying up all night and will fall into a deep and mysterious sleep when some crazy stuff will happen. We might say that God would be present in that wrestling with the, the, the night visitor, but here we got that small smoking fire pot and the flaming torch passing between. Uh, mm-hmm. I love what Ralph Klein has to say about this story, which is to say when the promise uh, seems uh, least likely God doubles down on the promise. Uh, Abraham or Abram at this point suggested that Eliza of Damascus might be his uh, his heir, uh, who is not not a not Jewish or Hebrew, not not one of the people, he is an outsider, uh, and he's got no mm-hmm. kids, no kids, uh, and Abram's like, I mean, can we just use this guy? I don't know what you want me to do here. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't say, "Be patient, Isaac is coming." No, God says, "Just wait." Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. He takes a promise that is hard to believe right now and makes it completely unbelievable, uh, which I, I I love. Doubles down, goes all mm-hmm. the way in. Mm. Doubles down, goes all the way in. <laughs> you know, baptismal imagery. You know, <laughs> baptismal so, imagery. Name of my yeah, baptismal I mean, reflection just, book. Uh, <laughs> that's where I was going with it. Um, yeah, amazing imagery for Lent. Love it. And actually, I can keep going, Matt. I've got a lot of stuff here for you. Yeah. Uh, deep sleep. I thought of Jacob here, but evidently in my notes, deep sleep, the same Hebrew uh, description, the, the words for that, or the deep sleep that Adam falls into when he loses a rib oh. and Eve is created. Deep sleep is generative. God works in deep sleep. Uh, Matt, I don't know the last time you had deep sleep was. Uh, <laughs> you're looking for a good news turn on this. Uh if you want to make that Sabbath sort of turn, uh, what if Lent is a time of slumber, of deep sleep for the church? That it might be a generative thing, a new thing birthed out of it. <laughs> Lent is a time of sleep. Uh, deep sleep. 
<laughs> yeah. Can the church get gonna, sleepy during that? I'm going to chew on that one. Think about it. Uh, another angle, some more fodder for your uh, for your sermon chewing stuff is we have theophany and fire again. God appears in fire. Uh, I don't think we've said this explicitly, but a part of kind of ancient Near Eastern uh, culture. This is taken from uh, a, a sapphire treaty from the eighth century BCE uh, that quote just as this calf is cut into, so may uh, this king be cut into, and may his nobles be cut into. So not only is God Yahweh doubling down on the promise that your descendants will not only be one but but be infinite uh but will say but says doubles down and says uh, the this ritual of cutting the animals in half uh is a way of god saying if i'm not true if this if i don't hold up my end of the deal uh may i be cut in half like these animals so theophany and fire uh is, is god we uh it's kind of assumed here that god is present in that fire pot that passes between those two uh which <laughs> is a motif right uh in in the in the toque in the Pentateuch, in the Torah, uh, it's the same word, fire pot, fire uh, of, of the burning bush that God speaks out of to Moses later on. But here, I'm going to push it, Matt. I'm going to push it in a fun direction. Might God be present in those giant balls of burning gas light years away? Um, <laughs> mm, God present in fire. Might those yeah. stars be a sign of God's presence? Uh it's amazing to me that in this one, in this single text, that God both is present in this cosmic reality, like far away, like look at how vast the universe is. And then God comes down, like literally down to earth, like so down to earth that, um, yeah, like these animals are butchered, cut in half. There's a smoking fire pot that passes through them. But also that this practice, this is like a way of of sealing a deal, of signing a treaty, of doing something like that, right, in this culture. But God comes down to, to basically do it on their terms, right? Do it on Abram's terms. Like, yeah, this is something you'd be familiar with. So let me, I'll enter into your covenant-making process <laughs> so that you get it, you know? Like, God didn't need to do it. It's as if, like, if God came out today and, like, signed a lease, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? Like, it would just be no. kind of, it's be absurd. Like, why would God need to... Like I, I just that's I basically like God cutting themselves in half, really. <laughs> well, some of these like, property no. managers in Boulder, you know what I'm saying? Because we don't we don't do this in our uh, North America. We don't cut animals, but we do have like lawyers. Like we have these like intense like legal uh, ironclad. We have a lease, <laughs> right? But it seemed like it would be absurd for God to come and like sign a lease. Yeah. And yet God God stoops down to Abram's level here, and <laughs> it's like, all right, I'll do this. One. Because I want you to get it. And I'm, you know, like, I, I do think it's a God comes down kind of thing, which I know that you, yeah. See, uh, that's the anthem. Um, one more theological uh, reflection on the, or, or reflection on the theological nature of stars. Uh, Matt, you know I love time, and it's just a construct, it's a social construct. But one of the fun things about Hebrew, and when we're down in the Tuk, uh, I like to get into the Hebrew, is that Hebrew lacks a present tense, a true present tense. Everything is reflected either in terms of the past or the present. And if God is present in the in the light of those stars, there is some fun time stuff you can do, right? I do love the idea that the light we see from stars is the light of the past, right? Uh, it's light years away. That's how that works, right? And that 
we don't know, right, that, that stars burn out until well after it happens because the light continues to come and it's so far away, right? Which if you're looking for during Lent, a kind of what does it mean to like walk uh, in, in faith, uh, to sleepwalk in this deep slumber of faith, uh, it's like walking underneath the light of the stars, hoping that the sky uh, has not yet fallen, even though it might have already done so. Good stuff. We could just we could just talk about this text. We could. It's way better. It's way better. I, I don't have anything on this, but I thought I'd throw it out there to see if you had anything. Yeah. Normally on this podcast, what we do is we pick songs uh, to go with the readings. But if we had to make a book list this week to go with it, I would oh. encourage you to read "Number of the Stars" by uh, Lois Lowry. Oh, because I'd want to read it. I don't know that one. You don't know that one? It's a it's a it's no. a uh, Newbery Award winner. Uh, yeah, I haven't read her other book either. <laughs> I haven't read The Giver, even though I know it's like your favorite. It's like my favorite. <laughs> I don't really remember what the plot is other than Nazis. And it's kind of like an Anne Frank sort of thing in Number of the Stars. But I want to read it this week to see how it ties into uh, counting the stars here. Uh, evidently, according to the Wikipedia article I read about it, it's a reference to Psalm 147, which unfortunately is not the psalm for the day. If you want to go off uh, off resort here and go ski in the backcountry of the lectionary, might I recommend uh, doing Psalm 147 instead, where uh, we give thanks to the God who determines the number of the stars and calls them each. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Philippians, I don't have anything at Philippians. I have one thing on Philippians. One thing is that the readings are a little sparse, which is strange because we're going to get further into Lent and the readings are going to get just incredibly long. And on Palm Passion Sunday, you're going to be sitting there like, wow, please make these people stop poorly reading the story. (laughs) Um, And you're going to understand that time is a social construct. but this week, you got very short little uh, clippings of text here. I was interested and caught by the, the by verse 21 there in Philippians 3. Uh, he will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. Uh, I don't really know what that means, but uh, I did the work of looking up uh, what humiliation is there. Uh, and if you're looking for some, yeah, geez, is right, right? That's what you're like, oh, God, no. This is what happens when I'm, when I'm late to a podcast. Zach spends the time. I just do, I do. It's good. I do. I, I do. I do research for the podcast that I will never use in a sermon. Um, it's the same word from Luke. Uh, uh, it's from the uh, the uh, Magnificat. He has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Yeah. Uh, the lowly, the body of our lowliness. If you have the power to rewrite the text in your like bulletin or something, maybe that's the way to do that because. I have a pretty guttural reaction to the body of our humiliation. <laughs> it's not it does not open me up to the mystery of God. All right, so uh, gospel, huh? Gospel, the gospel. Look, we just got one, two, three, four, five short verses here, Matt. But again, like time, verses are a social construct. That's uh, uh, some fun imagery, at least. We do. There's some good stuff here. There's some good stuff here. Uh, at that very hour. Uh, some Pharisees came up and they said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. Are these good Pharisees or bad Pharisees? I'm confused. Are they being facetious? Uh, we have not come to know the Pharisees as good guys yet. Uh, so who knows? Uh, and Jesus said to them, go and tell that. What does the fox say for me? Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting. We sang ELW's. Uh, there's an ELW song that is basically what does the fox say? Uh <laughs> 
Were you there at worship last week? Had you already left Albuquerque? I think you had already left. Uh, it was basically, uh, I'll have to look it up. But there's an ELW song that is like an ELW version of What Does the Fox Say? Did you tell everyone that? Oh, I made the noises while we were singing. <laughs> How does the bird sing? Something like that was the line. And they had like, yeah. how does the bear play? It's a rhetorical hymn. <laughs> yes, you don't get to make the noises, which is dumb. Anyway, Jesus says, go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, playing with time. And on the third day, I finish my work. And yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed away from Jerusalem. Uh, and here you go, your poetic lines. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I've desired to gather your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house has left you and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. A lot more animals in here than you might think going into it. Yeah, a lot of animals in this one. A lot of fruit for children's sermons this week. <coughs> Foxes, yeah. hens, chickens. My suggestion for your children's sermon this week is to bring a live chicken with chicks and bring a live fox and just let them out. <laughs> See what happens. Who knows? Yeah, go and tell that fox. And then he compares himself to a hen. Just watch as the, the young children get to watch uh, the reality of life and death and what <laughs> foxes do to him. <laughs> it's the beauty of life. Mm. What do you got, man? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm stuck on that imagery. I love, uh, gosh, I mean, I think the thing I'm immediately drawn to is this, uh, this, this, the fact that Jesus compares himself to a hen. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, I especially love doing, uh, I did a word, like a, images of God uh, and pronouns for God study with my confirmation students. I made them do it. I gave them a bunch of Bible verses to look up. And of course, at the beginning of the conversation, they all thought God was male, obviously. Obviously. A dude with a beard up on a cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they did this study of different images in Scripture, and I'm like, huh, well, maybe God is gender fluid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that my confirmation students discovered that. Uh, but here it is. I mean, here's Jesus, like, with a very maternal uh, and not uh, Ron would be proud, not androcentric image. No, right? no androcentric. Uh, there is no God. little white, uh, not so, anthropocentric at all. Hen-centric. Foul, yeah. Foulic, even. Yeah. Foulic. Yeah. Foulic. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> this, is why, this is why you go to the Bible preacher, y'all. <laughs> May not be anthropocentric <laughs> or masculine, but it is phallic. <laughs> That's pretty good. I think it's one of my best jokes on the podcast. <laughs> can you please, can that be the title or is it too yes. appropriate? No. <laughs> uh, okay. God is a masculine, but God is phallic. Matt, uh, switching gears here out of the out of the hen house. There certainly is, is some real clear truth to this. Melina and Rohrbaugh write about how Jesus 
really is safe outside of Jerusalem, that his people, his supporters are the are not the urbanites in the city. Um, and that when Jesus is not there, he is safe. That's what makes the Pharisees and the religious leaders scared of the crowds, uh, is that these crowds are for Jesus. Uh, and that Jerusalem is the home turf of the Pharisees, where the crowds will not be, those rural agrarian crowds will not be there to protect Jesus. Uh, so some very so there is some very clear truth to this. Do you have a city take, an urban take on this, Matt, as the pastor <clears throat> of, uh, of, of being in a, a pretty urban context? You love that, that Jeremiah quote, uh, that Jeremiah verse about uh, seek, the welfare, seek the welfare of the city, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of demonizing the city here today. All those uh, country preachers are going to be talking about your, your neighborhood as, as the place where Jesus goes to die. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely an urban rural divide in scripture, but I also was struck, I mean, like, the for me, that Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and, and there may not be a, like, a intentional connection here, but it echoes for me that Absalom, Absalom. And and I do think it's like, there's a, there's a sadness and a grief to it. I don't think it's a, I mean, he, he mocks Herod with a, with with the uh, Herod, the ruler of the city, right? The the political class with um, with a facetious image, but the people of the city, he calls like he refers to them as children that he wants to gather together, right? Like, so I, I think there's kind of a the Jesus does make a distinction here between the, I mean, in his imagery uh, between like the um, the political class, the negative aspects of the city, the corruption, and and the people of the city, right? What is a city? Uh, what makes it up? And so I, if that's an urban take, <laughs> you know, I think, to, I think, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is grieving over what's gone wrong here. But, but when he says, I've desired to gather your children together. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I think there's a lot of imagery, which I always appreciate for preaching wise, you know, what's the, is there good news in this story? man? <laughs> Oh, man. Is there good news in this story? Will we find it in time for Sunday? <laughs> it's the real question. <laughs> I mean, I think if I'm going to frame the good news here, Matt, it is it is that uh, Jerusalem, Jesus knows the clear truth here, that Jerusalem is a place where he will not be protected the way that he's protected in the city, in the out in the villages, mm-hmm. out in Galilee in particular. Uh, and yet it is a bold proclamation that I must be on my way. I must go to Jerusalem, and I think that's I think that's good news. Um, maybe a way to, to start to spin it is to talk about uh, I love to avoid conflict. Man, that is my preferred method of dealing with it. <laughs> Turns out avoidance does not always fix things. Uh, I've been told. <laughs> I don't know because I haven't stuck around long enough to see if it if it resolves it or not. Because best just avoid it. Uh, but Jesus is not going to avoid this conflict. Uh, Jesus is not going to continue to skirt around the edges of the city and. and uh, stand up on a soapbox, yell some stuff, and go hide again. Uh, Jesus is going to mm. go into the into the belly of the beast, uh, into mm. the heart of the city. Yeah, and perhaps there are parts of our lives, right, that we would we would much rather <clears throat> avoid, pretend don't exist, that that are in need of 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 the healing, of the of the promise that's so full that's it's all up there in that, that Genesis reading, uh, and Jesus is going to go to those places, yeah, and bring that that same promise that that lights up the night sky into the the places we would like to avoid. Yeah, and gosh, I feel like I can't quite make all the connections here, but but maybe you can, uh, listeners. But it's it's also like how he goes there. I, I guess I'm still struck by this 
like this contrast between a fox and a hen, like wouldn't you want to be the fox in that situation, right? Like if you were, <laughs> if I was going to pick a, a an avatar, I think I'd want the fox. Like you'd be in a much more powerful position if you think about a traditional definition of power. Or choose um, to be like that creature from Avatar. Are they called avatars? <laughs> yeah. They seem cool. I haven't seen the movie, right? so I don't know. Um, you know, like you think about, uh, so... I mean, it kind of reminded me of uh, when Chris and I saw Jurassic Park in the theaters again. When it was in the theaters back in 2015, don't want to say 20, it was like, God, was it 2013 or was it like, yeah, that's insane. Uh, anyway, it was back in theaters and we went to see it together. We hadn't seen it. Well, Chris hadn't seen it forever. I watch it pretty much every year. Um, <laughs> but uh, she she said, huh. She, she, we both really enjoyed it because it holds up, as you know. It does. It holds up. I went and I saw mean, it in theaters yeah. as well. I didn't have a child yet. Yeah, <laughs> right. But she said, you know, this is really a, a movie about uh, competing forms of masculinity. <laughs> of course. <laughs> because, because you've got these, like, really not traditional, like, men in this movie, like uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Grant and, uh, and Ian Malcolm. Uh, and they're, they're like these just really different images of, like, of masculinity. <laughs> Which was not a reading of Jurassic Park that I'd ever uh, seen before. <laughs> For our listeners, since this is an audio medium, I just took my shirt off and unbuttoned it the way that Ian Malcolm does when he's laying in the back of the Jeep. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And here, in this gospel, we have competing forms of masculinity. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Jesus talking about this fox and then comparing himself to a hen. Uh, and I just, I, I guess I'm just really interested. Like, what is, I wonder if there's some good news bearing in that too, that Jesus is not only going to the belly of the beast, he's not going to the belly of the beast with a sword. He's going in as a hen instead of a fox. And what is that, like, what does that mean for us? And how is that, uh, how is there good news in that as well? I you know, if you're, if you're looking for that hen take, I think, uh, uh, if you want to go more contemporary uh, pop culture stuff, uh, think of Hey Hey from uh, from Monana, <laughs> right? The little chicken yeah. from Moana. That's what that's that uh, is. He's not yeah. going in as Maui, right? Who could become a fox, right? right? Who could right. become if? Oh gosh, I mean, it, you, if you're looking for a Moana sermon, I think we just found it. Um, <laughs> Jesus could choose uh, perhaps to be uh, to be a Maui shapeshifter. But Maui prefers to be a giant hawk, right? That's that's the thing he's always trying to crack into, right? Like giant hawk, uh, even when he can't do it, he's trying to be the giant hawk. But here, Jesus chooses not to, to be the giant hawk, but to be hey, hey. There you go. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Disney also has some great preaching resources that we're going to be excited to tell you about soon. It's too bad we didn't have that for uh, last week, because I think Craig Satterley really loves Disney, oh, too. Oh, man. And- yeah. He would have loved that. He loves Disney. <laughs> true story. That is a true fact. That is not. That is reporting that we are bringing to you. I like that. We do have some good stuff here, man. That's what I like about the podcast. I, sometimes I'm like, ooh, I got this one nugget. We're not going to find anything. But I think there's some good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. We done did it. What? Uh, we got good news. We got the text. What are you uh, listening to this week, man? Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I got three songs. I got one I've used a million times, but you know you gotta have a song with stars in it with a text like this. So, uh, so I'm gonna use I'm gonna use Kendrick and, and Scissors, All the Stars, which I'm sure I've used like 500 times before. But it's a great uh, it's it's so good. It's really excellent. Um, and then uh, I wanted to <laughs> I thought about what does the fox say, <laughs> but 
dear lord, why would I want that in an actual playlist? Uh, so I, so then I thought, well, maybe I could do something from Fleet Foxes. Uh, so uh, how about Mykonos? Like their uh, probably biggest song, "The Shadows of the Mess You Made." Isn't that a great line? Uh, and I think that uh, fits some of those shadows as well. And then uh, obviously Ariana Grande, "God Is a Woman." Mm. Right ahead. What's that, Zach? I like it, Pat. You said it. There are uh, so many uh, songs that could work for stars. Um, I decided not to use uh, J. Cole's ATM because I think I've already used it before, which, of course, has a line, count it up, count it up, count it, because uh, that could work great. But I'm going to go with the Colorado band, man. Uh, did you know uh, One Republic are a Colorado group? Uh, and uh, perhaps it's their most well-known song, Counting Stars. Yeah. Uh, lately, I've been I've been losing sleep, man. I need that deep sleep. God, this is such a good one, right? Maybe it's even yeah. writing about it. I don't know. Uh, dreaming about the things we could be. But maybe I've been, I've been praying hard. Said so no more counting dollars. We'll be counting stars. Yeah, we yep. will be counting stars. One yep. republic. One word. One republic. Uh, at yep. Colorado Springs. Then, Matt, uh, oh, talking about four, foreshadowing, foreboding things that await for us in the city. You gotta go with Murder in the City, which is an Avery Brothers song, but I'm gonna push the Brandy Carlisle on you because uh, we need that uh, uh, feminine take on. If I get murdered in the city, don't go revenging in my name. One person dead from such is plenty. No sense in getting locked away. It's so good. And to hear, gosh, it's one of those really subtle, uh, if you're looking for like, I don't know, we didn't talk any about the UMC or anything, the, the Methodist, uh, but to hear Brandy Carlisle doesn't uh, change the, the lyrics because she's gay, right? Uh, and she says, uh, if I get murdered in this, uh, tell my wife that I love her, right? Uh, and it's just this subtle, like, oh, she really means it, right? Like this, like, I like it. I don't know. I like it. It's a subtle yeah. line. Yeah. I like it. Um, but we need one more, Matt. Uh, actually, I'm going to do two more, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to go Lewis the Child has a song called The City, uh, uh, where the kind of hook is there's no love in the city. And then, Matt, we got The City, we got stars, and we got perhaps one of my favorite movies of the past couple years uh, in terms of getting my romance up. Uh, city of Stars, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone. Gorgeous song. It's just such a good song, Matt. Oh. <laughs> A city of stars. <laughs> I still, uh, I still haven't seen that one about my city. It's so good. <laughs> oh, Matt. Um, well, <laughs> we have uh, had some unexpected guest contributors. Zoma, Vinyl Child. Hey, Zoma. Vinyl Child. Vinyl Child. You want to say hello to the, the listeners? Hi. What's your favorite song right now, Zelma? Um, do re mi. Do re mi. Um, Yeah. Do you wanna you wanna sing do re mi real quick? Do re fa so la ti do a ti a female day Ray a drum drum sun me a name I tell myself fa to run around to run so you don't find red. Not enough for slow. Tea. Okay. I drink a brown bread. Yeah. Then bring a Oh, oh. That's what we've been listening to. That's been on the playlist here lately, man. Uh, watched so many clips of The Sound of Music. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Well done. Good job, yeah. Zoma. <laughs> cool. All right. It's been real. It's been real phallic.